Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. Tonight we are going to be talking about a lot of topics. Um, those topics include modern, frontier, and Magic the Gathering board games. So before we begin, let's get some ads out of the way because I know you all love hearing them. So here they are. So your father's a nerd. Unfortunately, there's no player's guide to raising a family. But this podcast is meant to be a family's guide to nerdism. Join us, Alec and Zuby, as we go in depth as to what it's like to raising a family of nerdlings and the adventures and hardships of fatherhood. We dive deep into our favorite nerd topics and talk to you about how it's related to raising a family. You can find So Your Father's a Nerd on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping's at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on Magic Singles and Magic Sealed product available. Wow, that's amazing! Broken computer, do you wish you could take your PC back in time? Well, Horizon Datasys has developed the premier product called Rollback RX. Rollback RX not only allows you to bring your machine back to any point in time, but it's a great way to recover from a bad driver update, viruses, or even a botched installation. Horizon Datasys doesn't tend to discount their product often as they know it's going to save you hundreds of dollars in recovering your PC. But for listeners of Magic with Zuby, they provided us an exclusive discount. Visit https colon slash slash goo.gl slash capital D I capital B V A capital F for 25% off Rollback RX. The Magic with Zuby podcast can be found on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, MTGcast.com, and PodcastRadioNetwork.com on every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you wish to email Magic with Zuby with any questions, send them over at mtgzuby at gmail.com. Magic with Zuby is on Facebook at facebook.com slash magicwithzuby, as well as Twitter at magicwithzuby. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Magic with Zuby on the YouTube channel. Just search for Magic with Zuby on YouTube, as well as don't forget to rate and review Magic with Zuby on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Anything helps especially giving it five stars and rating it um, definitely helps us in the long run. Uh, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby. If you wish to become a patron, uh, go ahead and check out the multiple tiers of rewards. Uh, one of them also includes you being able to choose a topic that I discuss on the podcast. So any anything that you decide to donate to help this podcast move along is greatly appreciated. And thank you to all my current patrons as well. So last week I asked the question, if you could start your collection over again, what would you do differently? And I got a lot of responses from you all, and I just want to thank everyone who responded. You know, I greatly appreciate it, and I love reading your answers here. So as I said, if you could start your collection over again, what would you do differently? Uh, John Judson at Nerdy John on Twitter said, go nowhere near standard, modern or 9394 only. I like that answer. 
Lazarek answered, interesting question. If my collection was wiped out and I had to start over again today, I don't know that I would change too much. Would still buy a booster box of each set when it's released. Maybe buy more master sets and singles to make competitive decks. I would probably buy a common play set of each release and maybe even go full collector and try to get each card from the set just to have in binder for bragging rights. I love having random cards laying around and trying to brew, usually failing, but still fun, decks around weird or obscure cards. If I could go back in time and start over, then I would buy two to three boosters of each set until around Theros. The amount of cards that are printed now is too high to get that much value out of them if you don't pull the chase foils. Rainman wrote, I certainly wouldn't have spent so much on 5th and 6th edition boosters or bought the booster box of Nemesis. Titcher said, I wouldn't have sold off my expensive cards, my Liliana, Chandra's masterpieces that I open. I feel guilty for having a 20 euro card sitting in my folder, not been used to sell them, then I always regret it. Malimo wrote, I would have bought so many cheaper duels, moxes, LEDs, which is Lion's Eye Diamond, and other staples instead of sealed packs and pre-cons. I definitely know the feeling with that one, for sure. Tagvor said, I would have only purchased purchase singles and entire sets i moved out from buying boxes and stuff like that to only buying singles and play sets and stuff i do miss that gambling feeling but now it costs so much more to get what you want through random chance than actually just buying the cards plus wizards is forcing us to actually purchase individual cards basically in those stupid planeswalker decks that one really pissed me off abaddon wrote i would have bought into modern and legacy tier one or two decks instead of buying sealed our buddy Mark from Life Begins at 20 wrote to me saying, I'd personally wish I'd found Cube quicker than I did and just bought singles for that or even printed proxies of them all and replaced them as I get the cards. I love opening packs and will continue to do so for the channel, but I may well not open up as many, as many from now on and look more to developing a collection rather than leaving myself with loads of bulk. So once again, thank you to everyone that wrote in for the question of the week. I really appreciate it and love reading your answers. Um, I do not have a new question of the week this week, uh, mainly due to one being ridiculously busy and two, I sort of want to revamp some of the questions, maybe not ask so many general ones and just sort of um, rethink it a little bit and come back at it again. Um, that doesn't mean it's going away. It may be gone for a couple episodes, but I do plan on bringing it back. But as I've said before, thank you everyone who has written in and i love reading the responses but that doesn't mean you you know you don't have to stop responding to me or sending me emails i love reading them and all that and i'm trying to think of maybe doing another giveaway here soon maybe another commander deck as it you know i don't know I, i'm sort of still deciding what i want to do it's sort of like maybe a one year anniversary type thing as a little present for you all for me being here for one year i don't know i'll figure it out though what i want to do though so i haven't done this little segment here in a while uh and that is what has been going on with me and magic lately personally and it has been a while since i've played an actual paper magic tournament and and I decided to take my Grixis Delver modern deck for a spin on Monday night. And wow, did I do terrible. Um, if you saw me on Twitter, you saw me write a little thing saying I went 0-3. And then just sort of left. Um, yeah, it was just bad. And one of my biggest things that I do when I'm playing paper is I don't seem to do this too much online. Because online... I guess I catch it more, and I don't know if it's because when I'm playing in paper, I get distracted by the opponent, or I'm talking to people, or I'm just 
maybe going a little bit too fast for myself and just not altogether paying attention as much as I should. But um, what kind of made me rage quit at the tournament, and it was completely my fault. I do not blame my opponent whatsoever. I was, when I say rage quit, I just like got mad at myself and not in a, oh my gosh, I'm going to flip the table way. And it was just more of a self-deprecating way of, I am just so bad at magic. So basically what happened is I'm playing Grixis Delver. I'm round three. I'm 0-2 at this point in round three. So it doesn't even matter. Um, it was only four rounds anyway, but I'm just basically playing for getting more practice. Um, first two rounds, I lost against eight rack, which I have no idea how to deal with as Grixis Delver and then burn, which is just sort of like, no, well, you're going to kill me anyways. So good job there. And, um, so my third round opponent was up against the, is it kiln fiend deck and, if you're familiar, I mean, a lot of people should be familiar with that if you're familiar with Modern. If not, it runs Delver Secrets, Kiln Fiend, and I know I've seen some lists do Storm Chaser Mage. Uh, basically, you just run, you know, a small amount of creatures, but you have a lot of instants and sorceries to just be really explosive and do damage quickly. So I was down to seven life, and I had four mana on board, uh, no creatures out, but I had a snapcaster in hand and a terminate in the graveyard and my opponent goes and turns the flipped over delver and cast uh crap what's that that mardu that mardu um battle no teamer battle rage the one that gives them double strike so he'd be able to kill me um i tap out in response i tap out you know the flash and snapcaster mage targeting my terminate and then lo and behold i tap out my only black source and I just, as soon as I realized that, I'm just like, I am so bad at this game. I am just terrible at this game. And just proceeded to um, quit. And just and my opponent was actually willing to, you know, let me take it back. And this is a friendly game. And, you know, I, I could have taken up, on, taken up on his offer and you know, taking it back and then make sure I tap the correct mana. But I guess in my mind, I was sort of punishing myself because I shouldn't have made that mistake. I should have realized. And this is something that I have a hard time doing when I'm playing paper. Like I said, I don't seem to run into this problem too much when I play online. It's I'm not taking the time to make sure that I'm tapping the right lands for the mana. You know, I should have, because I only had one black source. It was one watery grave and I had a steam vents and a mountain and an island. I should have tapped out the mountain and island for Snapcaster, then left the two shock lands for Terminate. But I'm not that smart, and it's you know hindsight is twenty twenty, and um, my, I, I I just pretty much said you know what you win. I'm I made a big mistake. You know you know I I thanked them for you know offering to take it back. I'm like you know what no, I messed up. I need to own up to it. And I'm just walking away before it's it just becomes even worse. And like I said, it I, maybe I'm making it sound worse than it actually was because, like I said, I get so down on myself. I get so hard on myself when I just make dumb mistakes like that. And I think a lot, like I said, I think a lot of the problem is I just I'm not taking the time to think about the play. And maybe that's because I'm feeling rushed. 
And I know this is a complete friendly environment. It's not, you know, a PPTQ or a GP or an open or anything like that. But I'm still feeling judged. I'm still feeling rushed. But I need to not think of that because I'm if I'm I'm not intentionally trying to slow play, but I'm still feeling like I need to make a decision here somewhat quickly and not, you know, just stall out if I do have an answer. So yeah, that was that was um my foray back into paper magic, and I do plan on going again, especially for modern. I need to get those reps in. Um, you know, sometimes, like I said, playing online just doesn't exactly feel the same as when you actually go to play a paper event. Um, one, you don't have someone shuffling for you, and two, like I said, it feels like you have a longer time to be able to make decisions than you do on paper. So that's my story with um, going 0-3 on modern Monday nights. And like I said, I do plan on going again and, you know, trying and getting back into the groove of playing Paper Magic. As I mentioned before, just playing online, you get too spoiled by certain things that you don't really tend to think about while you're playing Paper Magic. And now it's time for Bob Plays Magic. Oh man, I can't wait to play FNM tonight. I brought this awesome Emerge deck. Me too. I'm so excited. I finally got my playset of smuggling copters. Wait, is that Bob? Yeah, he is. What is he doing behind the counter? Is he the tournament organizer for tonight? Oh no. Guys, Wizards is down. for calling Wizards Customer Care. How may I help you? No. Oh, yes. No. Uh, Wizards is down. Sir, what do you mean Wizards is down? Um, yes. The Wizards program is down, and I can't start Friday Night Magic. Sir, did you try restarting the program? Um, uh, how do I do that? Sir, just close out the program and open it again. Sir, did you just close your laptop and open it back up again? I, uh, don't know what you mean. Uh, can someone just come by and fix us? I don't think I can do that, sir. You're going to have to get someone that's more knowledgeable on the phone to help you. Listen, just patch me into the Grand Wizard. Sir, there is no one here by that name. Oh, the Grand Wizard, lady. He designed Magic the Gathering. I know him personally. Just patch me through. Sir, as I said, there is no one here by that name. And frankly, that name is offensive. Um, if the Grand Wizard is gone, who can help me? Sir, just please have someone help you who knows what a computer is. Lady, I know what a computer is. I helped invent the computer. I was the first to lay down the pipeline for the internet. Well, just the other day I was speaking with the Grand Wizard about how we used to work the railroad and lay brick down while discussing magic card this. design. And it was about that time that I realized that the Grand Wizard was actually a 60-foot tall crustacean. And that has been Bob playing magic. At the time of this recording, the Modern Masters 2017 spoiler has not been fully spoiled yet. It is only the second day of spoilers as I'm recording this. And I didn't really want to talk about all the cards that have been spoiled. but And I, 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 I always don't really like talking 
spoilers too much because to me it's always like well every podcast does that you know and by the time if you are really entrenched in magic you're gonna know all the cards that are coming out anyway especially if you're one of those that dies you know loves spoilers and all that but there were a few cards i wanted to talk about and then i want to talk about modern as a whole and what may be happening now that all these cards are getting spoiled for Modern Masters and from what we know so far of Modern Masters 2017. So if you've seen the news lately regarding Modern Masters, uh, probably the biggest reprint that they're doing that especially everybody has been super excited about is Damnation. And Damn Damnation is the two, two colorless and two black destroy all creatures. They can't be regenerated. And that has not been printed in a long time. And it's held its price for like 50, 60 bucks. I think even 70 bucks for a long time as well, too. And that has probably been the most exciting reprint that they've shown or showcased so far. Um, another really exciting one they presented right away were all the Zendikar fetches, which are the Verdant Catacombs, Scalding Tarn, Misty Rainforest, uh, Arid Mesa, and Marsh Flats. Uh, those fetches have not been printed since Zendikar. Uh, uh, one thing that was disappointing for me having them reprint those cards was it just shows that they're either never going to be printed in standard ever again and that there's going to still not be a lot of availability for them. So the prices will go down. They probably just won't go down that much. They're probably definitely not going to go down to the cons, cons fetches level where they're like 20 bucks each. Which I would love for, you know, at least Scalding Tarn to get down to the $30, $40 level. Because I would love to get a playset of at least Scalding Tarn for um, my Grixis Delver deck. I mean, I can live without Scalding Tarn. But there's been a few instances of when I've had a Polluted Delta and, I don't know, or I've had a Bloodstained Mire, but I really wanted an Island instead of a Steam Vents or something because I didn't want to lose the life. And, you know, it, it's very few and far between that happens, but it does happen. Um, but it's very, very rare. So those were the two biggest notable, notable reprints that, occurred on the first day was damnation and the zendikar fetches and as i said before it's it really shows that you know they're not going to be printing fetches at least anytime soon as standard if ever again and i mean i i can see them probably doing the zendikar fetches in standard maybe like five six years from now when they want to break the you know glass case in case of sales going low print zendikar fetches or you know whatever whatever may be the case or hey let's break the reserve list we're not making some sales here let's get some last minute cards out um some other notable reprints especially at the uncommon level were inquisition of kozilek and path to exile um it was i was surprised to learn how many times path to exile has actually been reprinted and it's still a ten dollar card holy crap i mean i know path to exile is really 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 good but damn, you would have thought by now with all the reprints it's received that it would be like a $5 card. But nope, it's still 10 bucks. And while I don't think I have a place at a path, I know I've got two of the FNM promo and I may have like one regular one. So maybe I've got like three of them. I don't freaking know. That's, uh, you know, there's sometimes like I forget what cards I have because I've got so many, man. There's too many cards. Um, 
But I really wanted to talk about what some other people are possibly proclaiming that this is Wizards' last hurrah for Modern. And while we don't know anything for certain, whether it is or not, it certainly seems to be the case because they are printing a lot of cards that are like very needed in Modern to at least try to bring the prices down. As I mentioned before in the other segment where I was talking about how Modern is getting slowly inaccessible for players and that it's going the way of Legacy, hopefully these reprints for Modern from Modern Masters 2017 will help the prices go down and stay down because they have been saying, or at least it's been rumored, I don't know if it's been officially said by any um, Wizards employee, that the print run for Modern Masters 2017 is going to be a lot longer than a you know, the other Modern Masters print runs. So if that is the case, then I'm hoping that a lot of these cards will start to flood the market and bring the prices down. Um, I'm just only hoping that from experience. I'm not planning on buying any sealed product of Modern Masters. I don't plan on buying any booster boxes. Um, I try to only buy booster boxes of standard sets. And I can see myself buying one or two boosters or or maybe buy three if I'm planning on drafting it. But still at $10 a pack, it is still a lot of money. I mean, yeah, the estimated value for each pack does seem to be pretty high considering the rares that have been printed. And that does make it, make it exciting to, you know, for that gambling feeling of, ooh, am I going to pull a damnation or am I going to pull, you know, one of the fetches? Um, so that does making it make it exciting at that point. And um, a lot of the other speculation that has been going around that if this is the last hurrah for modern, um, there were some changes as one of my questions of the week is what do you, what did you think of the changes of how Wizards is starting to support modern in terms of there's going to be less GPs, um, possibly all standard PPTQs going on in the future. Um lack of modern GPTs, Grand Prix trials, uh, no modern nationals, and they're all mainly going towards the support of standard and limited, limited being booster draft or booster sealed. And so, I, it, especially during spoiler season, a lot of people tend to forget this type of stuff, and they're all like, ooh, shiny new cards, or shiny new reprints, I should say. And while that's completely you know, justified, I'm excited about it too. I love seeing the new cards. But it's also sort of telling that, is this really going to be Wizards' last hurrah? You know, What is next year going to be like for the state of modern? Um, you know, I know Star City Games still does really well with supporting Modern. They have the Modern Classics on Sundays, and plus they also have just had a few Modern Opens the past few weekends as well, which were extremely enjoyable to watch. Um, even though a lot of people complain about Death Shadow, I still enjoy watching the the deck because it is an interesting deck to watch, and even the mirror matches can be pretty fun uh, to watch as well. I mean, yeah, it's it does get a little tiring when it's every single round, but I do enjoy seeing it. Um, so what is wizards planning on doing with modern? Are they going to just basically treat it like legacy and just sort of ignore everything and just be like, Oh, well, we're only going to support standard and limited. And while from a business perspective, that does make sense that they would only support standard and limited because that is what makes them the most money because that is what sells packs. That's what sells booster boxes. That's what sell cases to the stores. Uh, 
modern cards do not sell for Wizards. Uh, outside of Modern Masters reprints, anything else that is used in modern decks that you have to buy singles of does not make Wizards money at all because... One, the card was already pulled from a sealed product and then either sold to a store or being sold by a single seller and they're making that money. Wizards isn't making that money. Now, I'm not saying, oh, you need to give a cut to Wizards for every time something is sold on the secondary market. That'd be ridiculous. Um, but it, it is telling that, you know, they're getting away from, you know, modern for, you know, for that reason. They're not making money on it and it makes perfect business sense um you know i'm still disappointed that there's no modern pro tour because i love seeing modern played at the highest levels of play and i thought i saw somewhere that they're going to be getting rid of modern at worlds too i don't know if this year but maybe next year they're doing that um i have to look it up again i don't remember but so what's going to be happening to possibly my favorite format? Um, it's always a toss-up between Standard and Modern, and slowly Legacy is really getting up there, too. I don't know. I just love Constructive Play altogether, so it's really hard to always not, you know, figure out what is my all-time favorite Magic format in terms of Constructed. Um, some days it's Modern, other days it's Standard. Some days I just want to do nothing but Legacy, so really depends on my mood. Um, but as I digress as i said before what is wizards planning on doing with modern are they going to be kicking it off to the wayside and from what i think yes they will i don't think it's going to be immediate i think next year we're going to see probably no modern support at all from wizards if i had to guess and it's going to be nothing but standard and limited and you know what that's okay because standard is what will get the new players in Standard is the um, gateway into other constructed formats. Now, while if someone who is getting into competitive play only wants to focus on, you know, getting into GPs and Pro Tours and, you know, a lot of the high-level play, then, yeah, it's a little sad that they won't really get into other formats such as Modern and Legacy and not really enjoy how fun those formats can be. But for most casual players such as myself, it's, you know, that's perfectly fine. You know, we can relegate, you know, modern and legacy to being the casual FNM level, maybe once in a while an IQ or a PPTQ once in a great while, you know, it's especially IQs because I've, I've played at a legacy IQ before and that was a lot of fun and also store events, you know, PRE events, player run events can be held for, you know, legacy modern too, you know, so while it may, while modern may not be getting the, you know, complete, uh, attention of wizards, you know, maybe by next year that it's all but gone from, you know, the top pro circuits, you know, that doesn't mean stores can't still hold modern events, modern FNMs and, you know, modern one K's or anything like that. So I think a lot of the fear is, um, I mean, it's justified about what Wizards is doing with Modern, and it, it is something to think about. But I think in the long run, if you're really interested in getting up to the top tier of play, you should mainly be focusing on Standard and Limited anyway, because that's what they're going towards. And yeah, that's pretty much all I've got to say about that. Um, some of the other reprints of Modern Masters that I really like so far, I love that Snapcaster Mage is coming back. Um, 
it almost makes me a little jealous that the price is tanking on it when I remember buying mine for like 70, 80 bucks a pop. Um, you know, I love seeing uh, Goblin Guide getting reprinted. Um, you know, Linvala getting reprinted, Restoration Angel, uh, Graph Digger's Cage. I mean, so far, a lot of the reprints are knocking it out of the park here. And by the time this is out, hopefully we have a full spoiler list of everything that's out. And it just makes me even more excited to it, especially buy some singles out of this that hopefully some of the prices go down. I'm looking at choose and a car fetches. All right. And maybe one or two damnations. Oh, if they get ancestral visions out of this, of these reprints, I'd be so happy for that. Um, you know, some of my other hopeful reprints that they do are Noble Hierarch again. I mean, Noble Hierarch did go down in price when it was reprinted. And then Ban Eldrazi comes along and makes it go all the way back up. Uh, Cavern of Souls, even though I've already got a playset, I'd love to see that go down. Because, yeah, that card has just gone way up from last time I remember. And then, um, you know, I almost hope they do Lightning Bolt again. Because, why not? We need more Lightning Bolt in our lives. And Liliana the Veil would be a great card to be reprinted as well. Because that that thing, being it being $100, oh gosh, it's ridiculous. But eh, we just got to wait and see. Hopefully everything that I've said, you know, will, uh, if you're hearing this right now, you'll know what's, what's in there or not. So yeah, we just got to wait and see. This program is about unsolved mysteries whenever possible. The actual family members and Planeswalker officials have participated in recreating the events. What you're about to listen to is not a news broadcast. Today on the Plane of Tarkir, new discoveries have been found that may shake the foundations of the plane itself. It has always been theorized that Tarkir has not always been as it was, but was possibly ruled by what they call Khans, tribal leaders instead of the great dragon overlords. Perfectly shaped circles showing up overnight in crop fields have been spotted, and the symbols they create could be leaning to something dastardly. Two friends, Elspeth and Johnny, mysteriously vanish on the plane of Theros after stating they are going into Nyx to confront the god Xenagos. What's also strange about this, a common woman on the plane of Dominaria, Jenna Halan, wrote about these same events foretold in her upcoming novel, which is strangely titled Journey into Nyx, Godsend. And lastly tonight, a heartwarming story of a family reunion between a heartbroken woman and her mother. They had not seen each other since this woman was very young, but the tale of their cathartic reunion is not all happy. A tale of terror and dread awaits us as we dive into it. All this and more on tonight's episode of Planes of Unsolved Mysteries. So a couple years ago, Wizards came out with an actual Magic the Gathering board game. It wasn't that popular when it came out. Um, I don't think it really gained a lot of steam. and Maybe it did in the board gaming community. I don't really follow that. But I know as far as the general Magic community, the game was just sort of looked almost down upon because one it wasn't magic cards and two it seemed more of a I don't know maybe a quick money scheme money grab scheme but I actually decided to pick up the game a couple weeks ago it was on sale on Amazon for about $17 and I wanted to try something new you know um we my wife and I've been talking about you know, doing more board games with the family, but we get kind of bored of the same old you know Monopoly or Sorry or 
you know, the, the common basic board game. So we wanted to try something new. We haven't done a family game night of this game yet, but I have been playing the game with my kids, uh, doing, you know, one-on-one dueling with them. So the only game scenario that I've really done is the 1v1. And I haven't picked up the two expansions yet, the Battle for Zendikar or the Shadows of Rindestrad expansions. And I do plan on picking those up. I just really want to play the base game a little bit more to really get the full um, understanding of it. But basically the game is you can choose one of five planeswalkers. You have Gideon, Jace, Liliana, Chandra, and Nyssa. Uh, you choose one of the planeswalkers. You get a little small deck of cards. It's, I think, what, 12 cards, I think, each? And they aren't magic cards, but they're sort of spell cards that you can cast. And then you get a set of army cards too. You get three army cards, one including your planeswalker and the other two including your squad, which can be creatures that you summon, whether they're, you know, rocks veterans or phoenixes or zombies or illusions. Um, it depends on what planeswalker you choose. You, cho- you choose the um, creatures that go along with your planeswalker. And when you get it all set up, you build the battlefield. The book shows you how to build the battlefield. And you and the other person, if you do the first scenario, which is the most common one on 1v1, you have 30 turns to be able to kill the other person's planeswalker. And turns can go pretty quick. Um, Maybe at the first couple turns, nothing happens because, you know, you're getting situated and set up in the game. But it, it, it does go quick after that. Um, there's, you have five steps to a turn. Um, you draw a card, you can cast spells, you decide what army or squad that you want to move, and then you go and attack. Um, I'm not going to really get too deep into the rules of it here. Uh, there are a lot of good videos online that explain how to play the game. Um, Wizards also came out with sort of their official video of like, I think 10, 15 minutes of just playing a quick session. And that helped me out a lot because the rule book is not the greatest. It, it does explain the very basics, but I feel like the one thing it didn't really explain were some of the actions of your turn that you can do. Like when can you cast spells? When can you move? When do you decide to choose a squad? So that is a basic summary of the game. Um, what did I think of the game? The game is fun. Um, it is a little bit complicated for younger kids under 10. Um, I've been playing it with my seven-year-old, and she gets the basics of it. The one thing that I have a hard time explaining to her is casting the spells. It's she'll, She doesn't really understand when to cast spells, and... Um, but she does understand, you know, how to move and do the attacking with the figures. So we we sort of, we cut, sometimes when we've been playing, I've been kind of ignoring the spell cards with her. It's been more about, you know, having having fun roaming around on the board and attacking each other. And she, she does get that part. But when I played with my 13-year-old, you know, that we were able to be a little bit more strategic where you know, she'd be able to 
be a little bit more strategic in casting the cards and being able to move around figures and all that. So I would say the game is definitely, I mean, it probably says it on the box. It's probably 13 and up. But I mean, I think any kid over the age of 10 would probably be able to play it pretty well um, and be able to understand it a little bit better. Uh, as far as the game's balance, um, I haven't played every single hero yet, personally. Um, I've only played Jace, Gideon, and Nyssa. And out of the three, Gideon seems extremely strong. Um, just in terms of he's got a lot of cards that boost up your squad and give you a lot of toughness for your squad members he has he a lot of his spells are a lot of enchantments and all that so that that makes them feel pretty strong um i haven't really played chandra or liliana yet so i can't comment on them but so far gideon seems to be pretty strong and i'm not sure what the expansions are like maybe the expansions sort of even things out. I mean, I'm not even sure what they add yet. It's I, I kind of don't want to look it up yet until I'm ready to buy it. But um, I've only played the one mode, the one v one mode, and that seems that seems fun. Like games maybe last an hour at most, may, maybe longer. I, I don't know. It's it's been about an average about thirty minutes to an hour they've lasted so far, and I've played it about four times now. And um. I definitely would love to play this in a team setting. Um, I'm gonna. I'm working on trying to get my wife to play it, to where we just have a um, you know two v two type match going on. Me and my little one versus her and Jazzy, going doing it, and I, I feel like that'd be really fun to do. Um, it's definitely has a lot of good replay value out of it. Um, I mean, definitely worth the 17 bucks I paid. I think when it came out, it was $30 when it came out. I mean, even then, it's worth $30. I mean, there's a lot of fun to it. Um, the one thing I do recommend is if you do get this game, make sure to try to keep all the pieces together because there are a lot of pieces to this game. Um, not only with the board and the little mountains you build, but there's a lot of figures, um, a lot of little damage counters that are like little red squares, like really, really small. Um, if you have kids that like to get into stuff and get into your board games and not put them back together, not that that's happened to me, of course it's happened a lot of times, um, really tell them like, hey, don't touch this game unless we're ready to play it because they'll they'll lose stuff. It's very easy to lose stuff. I, I almost lost a few counters just even tonight as I'm recording this because, you know, you know, they, they just fall and, you know, they are hard to find once they hit the ground too. Um, so yeah, that is another bad thing about the game. There's a lot of pieces to it and it does take a little bit of time for setting it up and then putting it away too. Um, if I were to rate it on a scale of one to 10, I'd probably give it a solid seven to eight. Um, the biggest downfall to me for this game is the rule book they give you. The rule book just does not explain enough of the game to really get a good grasp because I read it back and forth and then I watched some videos of people playing it and watching the videos made a lot more sense than trying to understand the rule book. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I definitely recommend the game, like I said, and I'm looking forward to picking up the Battle for Zendikar and Shadows over Innistrad expansion. I'm not sure if Wizards is doing any more expansions because they haven't done anything for Kaladesh. It'd be, it'd be a little bit sad if they stopped doing this because it's definitely a fun game. I mean, I can see why they stop doing it because it's not that popular but you know overall it's been really really enjoyable too but yeah those are my thoughts on arena the planeswalkers it's i'm definitely going to be playing it some more and when i get the expansions i'm probably going to buy one expansion at a time i'll give a review for the expansion too i'll start off with battle for zendikar since it's since that's the first one and give you all my thoughts on that as well. So, yep, there you go. There's that review of Arena of the Planeswalkers. But don't just take my word for it. So I'm here with my daughter, Jaslyn, and I'm going to be asking her some questions about the Arena of the Planeswalkers board game. All right, so why don't you say hi to everybody, Jaslyn? Hey. So what do you think of the board game that we've played? I really like the characters and how they, like fight and how you have to roll the dice like how you have to roll the dice so you know fight and then there's just the shields and they cancel each other out so which of the five planeswalkers did you like the most to play you know i forgot her name but it was the red one chandra the flaming phoenix so what what about her do you like well like how they how she has the cat i like how she has the cats and how, like, the Phoenixes mm-hmm. as, like, their, you know, teammates almost. So what do you like about the Phoenixes, though? How they could just set on fire, like, boom, set on fire. <laughs> so what is some aspects of the game that you don't like? I don't really like how the dice has a uh, space, like a blank space on it. Like, you know, they just have nothing at all. No shield, no, like, sword or anything. Is there anything else? I mean, that's pretty much it. Besides, like, the board being too big, uh, in my opinion. (laughs) Well, it's kind of meant to be big because it's not only a two-player game, but meant to be played with up to four people, even five people can play it at a time. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I really like the board game as it is, but just, like, how, like, the board is set up. It's like, hmm, huh. So on a scale of one to ten, one being it's really bad, ten being it's the best board game you've ever played, how would you rate Arena the Planeswalkers? Okay, I would rate it like a 9.99 <laughs> because the, just the dice part is getting me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Jaslyn, for coming on and giving your little review on the board game. Is there anything you want to say before we go? Uh, I hope you enjoyed the board game. Uh, it's really fun. You should try it. All right, now I am joined by my youngest daughter, Zoe, and I'm going to be asking her some questions about the Arena of the Planeswalkers board game as well. So, Zoe, what do you think of the game that we've played a few times? Well, I think it's not that bad, but I like the Arena and the Phoenixes and the Tigers, I think. They're called cats or something? Yeah, they're cats. Oh, they're cats. But I don't think it's that bad. I used to play it in the morning. But it's so weird. It's so weird? What do you mean it's so weird? Like, 
when the green one almost killed the red one. No, no, we were playing the black one, Liliana. You were playing Liliana. Wait, Liliana almost died because she had one heart of it. Yeah, there was a time that I was playing Nyssa and Zoe was playing Liliana, and Liliana killed like five of my creatures in one hit. And I almost killed my dad's creature, her, his last one, whatever. Yeah, so which Planeswalker is your favorite out of the five? I don't know. All right, which color is your favorite out of the five? Oh, the red one. The red one, Chandra? That's Jazzy's favorite, too. <laughs> okay, take your mind. It's black. Oh, the black one, Liliana. Ooh, we've got a zombie lover here, huh? Yep. All right. So what are some things about the game you don't like? Well, I don't like the dice when it has the blink thing and another blink thing, I think. Another blink thing? What do you mean? Uh, Okay. So, it's, <laughs> it's like what Jasmine said. It's like what Jazzy said about the blank dice? Yeah. Okay. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being it's a really bad game, and 10 being it's the best board game you've ever played, how would you rate it? For 100%. A 100%? 100% degrees. So, you think it's <laughs> 100% degrees. <laughs> So you think it's a 10 out of 10? Yep. All right. Well, there you have it. That's Zoe. Do you want to say anything before we go? Hope you buy this and have a good night. You know, I meant to put this in an episode earlier, and it completely, you know, left my mind. I completely forgot about it. And this was just really talking about that it's been over a year since I've done Magic with Zuby. And I think I may have mentioned it in an interview, uh, one of the interviews I did. And it's just been, it's been quite a wild ride for the first year of Magic with Zuby. And I went back and listened to probably the first podcast episode I did. And wow, it is a major, major difference. Uh, before I get a little bit further, uh, let's go ahead and listen to a first few minutes there. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to the first episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, if you can tell, and today's episode is going to be all about me. Probably going to be one of the only episodes all about me, so let's get on with it. All I can say about that is I, I'm very, very monotone, very, you know, quiet, um, and I just remember being extremely nervous um, mainly because, you know, I'm putting this out for everybody to hear and, you know, I I'm sure, you know, not a lot of people are going to like it. Um, you know, there's a lot of self doubt and I can honestly remember like probably the first maybe 10 episodes or so I would actually have to have a little bit of something to drink just to sort of calm my nerves. And it was just, it's weird thinking about that now because now it's like, I'm ready to podcast every single night if I wanted to. I would love to do a daily episode of Magic Wazubi. I mean, I don't have the time for it whatsoever, but it'd be something really fun to do. And I don't know, I guess I just wanted to go back and just talk about, you know, 
it's it's been like I said, it's been quite a wild ride. There's been ups and downs. Um, I've had a lot of cool guests on. I feel like I've had some pretty neat episodes here and there. Um, I'm not afraid to try new stuff, you know, for you all to listen to. I think I've gone from two listeners up to three now. It's amazing. So welcome third listener. <laughs> you know, I, I do tend to joke a lot about that, but no, I really appreciate everybody that has listened to an episode or any of my episodes of Magic Wazubi. It's something I love doing and I look forward to doing every single time. And it's I'm constantly coming up with ideas and stuff I want to talk to. I mean, there's still some episodes that I've written down months and months ago that I want to talk about, but then more ideas keep pouring into my head like, all right, no, I want to talk about this instead, or I want to interview this person instead. And you know, yada, 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 all that. And it's been, it's been fun. And before we end tonight, I would just like to thank my wife, Elizabeth, for, you know, helping me along with this, you know, being a part of some skits that I've done. And I'd like to thank my children, Jazzy and Zoe, for being a part of the show too, in some episodes. Uh, Thank you to Corey Maples for all the audio editing help and for actually kickstarting this whole podcast adventure. It's all thanks to him that I've started this. And thank you to Alec the Dirtle for being a continuous guest on the show and to all past guests as well for being on there. And thank you to the listeners, all right? It, without this, you know, without you all, it, this wouldn't, I, I wouldn't keep doing this. And have a great night, everybody, all right? <laughs>